How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Simple But Extraordinary Podcast with your host, JT Payne. And, uh, you know, today we always got a special guest on here, but the man himself that we have on here is, uh, he's actually my boss right now. So uh, his name is Justin Morgan. How's it going, Justin? It's going well, JT. I'm really excited to be here, uh, to be on the podcast I think uh, when I heard originally that you were thinking about doing a podcast, I think that I felt like I was pretty clear I wanted to be a guest on here and it's, <laughs> it's you know, and I listen every week and, you know, you've had some great guests on this podcast and I've been waiting patiently for my <laughs> invite. So really excited to be here, uh, honored to to have a conversation with you. Um and uh, really a, a fan of your work. Appreciate it, appreciate it. I will say for the listeners, he's been hounding me since February, uh, since I started this podcast on having him as a guest. So I guess uh, it was just the right time to have him on and do that. So um, appreciate it. And, you know, I think one thing I like to do is get the people to know you a little bit, Justin. So if you want to tell a little bit about yourself and we can go from there. Yeah, so as JT mentioned, um, I'm his boss. That's the most important thing here. No, but uh, my current role here is I, I, uh, I'm the Senior Director of Ticket Sales and Development at the 12th Man Foundation. Uh, you know, primary role, as I'm sure most of the people listening to this know, you know, our job is to make sure Kyle Field and, and really all the venues on campus look full, look good um, on game days. Uh, you know, Texas A&M is a great place to be, you know, to do that. We have, you know, I can't even, I can't even think of a better fan base, donor base, supporter base, whatever you want to call them, uh, than, than Aggies, you know, they're, they're, they're really great. But, uh, been here for about four and a half years. Prior to that, I was at WVU in in a very similar role, uh, West Virginia University, um, kind of overseeing their their ticket sales efforts. And prior to that, I was at Northern Iowa in the same role, overseeing their ticket sales efforts. Um, and then prior to that, I was at the University of Pittsburgh as a salesperson and Florida State as a salesperson. So you know, when I graduated, uh, going back to college, um, and maybe even before that, I guess I'm working in reverse here, but I grew up in Ohio and uh you know a small town called greenville about an hour and a half north of cincinnati um you know and then when i you know when i was looking at where i wanted to go to school um you know i have a passion for sports you know and and wanted to kind of marry that i think i realized in high school you know i mean i was you know an ace pitcher i did hit over 400 in baseball (laughs) i did have some small school offers but (laughs) I say that, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, right? I, you know, I knew that, you know, playing sports wasn't in my future at a high level. So, you know, how could I still be involved? Um, so, you know, we looked at Ohio University, and they were, you know, the inaugural um, school to, to offer a sports management degree. I don't remember what year they started it, but, you know, they're, they're pretty well known for their sports management program. So it was a perfect fit. You know, it was, it was Ohio school. It was... You know, they had a great program that offered what I wanted to study. So, you know, I went there and then when I graduated high school, I went to um, North Carolina 
to do a six-month gig. It was selling the ACC championship game. Um, so they basically said, you come here and do this for six months, and we'll introduce you to some people in the industry. So was luckily, luckily, lucky, luckily enough, I went down there and had some success. Um, they introduced me to the guys at Florida State. Uh, I was there in 2013. And then from there, I went and joined the University of Pittsburgh as a salesperson. Uh, and then on down the track here to Northern Iowa, WVU, and then, and then now Texas A&M. So been in the industry for, I think, uh, 11 years now. So going on my 12th year, if that makes me feel <laughs> old, uh, but have, you know, have seen and been a part of a lot of cool game days, a lot of different athletic departments. So have a pretty good understanding of, you know, what it takes to to have success, you know, in this industry and, you know, what it looks like to, to make a stadium look like it, it should look on game day, you know, that I always think about the student athletes, um, you know, they, they put all this time and effort and energy, you know, they got to go to school for one, right. That's first and foremost, but, you know, beyond that, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're practicing, you know, you know, a student athlete's schedule on game day or uh, sorry, on a regular day, looks much different than a regular student, right. They've got a, they probably they're probably lifting at 6 a.m. and then they're going to class and then they're going to practice and then they're watching tape and then they're and then they're doing homework and then they're doing it all over again and you know they're putting so much time effort and energy for you know you know for them for themselves first off but you know for also for the fans right and you know the last thing that I want to do is have them run out on on that field or you know on the turf or whatever it is on game day and and not have a great feeling and you know that great feeling starts with having a, a packed house you know cheering for you so that's that's one of the things that I've always I've always really resonated with when it comes to my role and what I do and and um, I hope that I've done a good job for the student athletes that I've impacted in my career awesome I mean you, you got a wealth of knowledge from what I'm hearing, I mean, you've been in the industry since I was in eighth grade, just <laughs> so uh, you've been very around for a while, and uh, which is good and everything. And um, just wanted to touch on point what you said. You know, walk walk into the stadium and seeing it full. Um, I didn't understand that until I started working for you. And last year, in that first game, you said, "Look up in the upper benches; it's completely full." Mm-hmm. You know, and just to see the difference in there, that it's truly amazing uh, for the atmosphere especially here at Kyle Field. So, um, yeah. it's a, it makes an impact. It's pretty easy, you know, to open the doors and get this place 75, 80, 85, 90% full, really. I mean, if we're talking Texas A&M specifically, it's, it's, I hate to say it's easy because of all the work that everybody in this building does, but I mean, you know, it, it kind of, you know, if we do things the right way, you know, we're going to get to that 90, 95% full, you know, for every game, you know, pretty easily. But the problem with that is if if, if that's all we do, you know, the that, that 5% completely destroys the atmosphere of the other 95%. You know, if you look up on game day and there's a couple thousand empty seats, you know, four or five empty rows in the upper corner of your stadium on game day, it's it's just like an eyesore, right? It's like it's like all you can see. 
Mm-hmm. You don't see the other ninety eight thousand people that are in the stadium. At least me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I got a weird view of it. You know, but <laughs> I, that's all I can see. And like, I don't get. I think JT. I think you would uh, you would agree with this. I don't really get upset about anything, right? Like, yeah. Pretty pretty even keeled guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can you know if I look up at the top of my stadium on game day and there's a bunch of empty seats, that's like the only thing I just, I just cannot stand it. Like, and it's happened and it'll happen again. And, you know, we do everything we can to make sure it doesn't happen. But like that just gets, that's like nails on a chalkboard Mm -hmm. uh, to me. So um, I don't even know what I'm answering or what I'm talking about, you know, if I'm answering your question here, but um, yeah, the, the, that's, that's one of the things I love about Kyle field, you know, obviously it's a, it's not only a great venue for our fans, but you know it's pretty consistent feedback that we get that it's a bucket list stadium for other fans to come to. So, you know, Kyle Field, Bluebell, you know, Reed, you know, all the venues that we have on campus. I mean, um, for our student athletes to be able to to enjoy an atmosphere that they deserve is 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 really what drives at least drives me the most and is the most exciting part about what I do. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, hearing that and seeing how the student athlete, that's what gears you to make them have a great experience, right? Um, What would you tell someone that's wanting to get more into that sales role to be able to help them understand that? Because you've been at a couple different places around the country. Um, Would you say it's consistent like that all over uh, if you're trying to get into sales and collegiate athletics? Yeah, are you, are you talking in the sense of if if I'm a college student right now and wanting to learn more about, you know, or advice from me about how to get into this industry? And, and Correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first thing I'd say is you have to love it. I mean, um, you have to have a passion for it. You know, I, you know I, I don't know if I said this in your interview, but I have said this before. Sometimes I'll go talk to classes and I'll say this, like, I'll open with, like, ticket sales is hard. And a lot of times it actually sucks. Um, and, and I say that because, you know, you don't control, you don't necessarily control the outcome of the call. You, you could do... You could do everything right on the call. You could do you could do your sales training to a T, um, but you don't control the other person's you know willingness to give you their credit card number, right? So you got to be you got to have a, a short a short memory. So the first thing I would say is like when you get in, if you're thinking about getting into sports sales, um, you got to have a passion for it because it's like you know I'll use an analogy. I wonder if uh, I'm thinking about. Um, Alex Marinelli right now when I'm talking I'm going to use a baseball analogy so if you're listening Alex this is you know this one's for you but you know all, the best baseball hitters hit 300 right you know and and that means they're failing seven out of ten times and that's kind of the mindset you have to have when you're when you're a ticket salesperson is you know if you make a hundred phone calls you may only talk to ten people and you may only talk to one person who's interested so it's pretty easy for you to to start with you know, a level of motivation, right? That you're coming in, you want to make an impact and you're and you're motivated to make those calls every day, all day. But what happens when you get six months in and you in and, and that's been the consistency, right? And that's just the life of a ticket sales rep. Um, so what I've found is you have to it, it always has to come back to what's internally what's your passion. If you're passionate about 
you know, what you're doing, then, then that's going to, you know, kind of push you through to, you know, get through those weeks and months. Um, you know, some days are going to be great. You're going to, you're going to close, you know, business and some days, you know, some weeks you might sell nothing, you know, so, and, and you got to, you got to be able to, to push through that. So like, that's the first thing that I always tell a young person thinking about getting into ticket sales is, is to just have a passion for it and have a, have a good expectation of what you're getting into. Um, you know, what, what is the job, you know, the job's not high fiving the head, head football coach and, you know, running around on the field or, you know, it's not a glamorous role by any means. Um, it's, it's the dirty work behind the scenes. Um, but you know when you when you stack good fundamentals together, it will result in sales. It will, and then it will result in full stadiums on game day, and that's when you see the bigger impact. That's when you see someone like, you know, a head a head coach saying something in a post game interview about how great the atmosphere was on game day, mm-hmm. and you know that's the impact you're having on the student athletes, other people's experience in the venue. Um, and that's all the work that you put in for weeks, months, you know, leading up to that. So, you know, the other thing I say about getting into sports is, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of young kids are looking, you know, if, if they're interested in sports, they're, they're oftentimes trying to figure out what, you know, what they're interested in, you know, is that, is that marketing? Is that sales? Is that development? Is that operations? You know, there's a lot of ways you can be involved, right? And I think oftentimes I see sales as someone's least, you know, they're they're least interested in sales, or at least they think that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then they start to look for jobs, and they realize that there are no jobs but sales jobs. <laughs> and... Um, and I think it's important for them to know, like, you know, just because you start in ticket sales doesn't mean that's where you're gonna that's where that's where you're gonna end, right? But it's a great way to get your foot in the door and to and to create relationships with folks in other departments. Uh, ticket sales is gonna teach you so much more than just how to sell a ticket. It it teaches you how to present yourself well in a conversation, how to you know how to act on a phone call, how to sh- you know even I remember when I when I first came in I didn't even really like like I said I didn't know how to shake someone's hand but like you're you're in so many scenarios where you're walking up to somebody shaking somebody's hand looking them in the eye having a conversation like it 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 teaches you how to be a well-rounded uh individual in the business setting so well no matter what you end up wanting to do uh I, I I encourage I think a sales job for anybody I don't care if you're in high school, go, go work at your local retail store, pushing, you know, shoes, groceries, you know, uh, whatever you could find, you could put yourself in those positions where you've got to have some customer service. You've got to have some salesmanship, uh, and whether that leads to you being in marketing development operations, whatever it is, really this is, and then really this is a, it's a life it's a life hack. You're you're selling. You're always selling something in your life. Whether you're, I'm selling myself to my fiance all the time. You know, like <laughs> I'm trying to sell to her that I want to go to this place for dinner, or you know, I want to <laughs> buy this thing. And you know, and so like, no matter what you're doing in life, you're selling it. So even if you're in operations and you're, you know, you're talking about how you're going to do something, you're 
you may need, you're probably selling somebody else on the idea that you have that is the way that you should be doing it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, the advice I give is, is you know, if you're going to get into into sports, don't be afraid of ticket sales as a good entry point, uh, and and make sure that you have a clear expectation of what you know what you're getting yourself into when when you start in the sports industry. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of things that go into being successful in any individual role, and there's a lot to learn. You're going to have to put a lot of work into kind of gaining that knowledge. But once you get into the industry and you put the work in and you, and you, and you show that you have a passion for doing the job at a high level, then it's going to pay off, and you're going to, you're going to start to see that, you know, that payoff for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. And I think you touched on a, you know, a good point. With that, right, um, you know, with our the new generation, it's just you know, it's a different style of communication. Doing that, do you see any differences um, here in the like near future of how <laughs> sales is gonna be done? Um, you know, whether it's you know less face to face or anything like that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question. I honestly actually have to answer that question a lot. Um, at this point in time, my answer has still been, I think there will always be a need for relationships. And, you know, a lot of people talking about, you know, they'll talk about the cold call is dead, right? And, and to a degree, they're right. You know, it's, it's not like it used to be, which um, is with technology and how, you know, how easy we can make it for somebody to make a purchase online and, and how well we can market now. Um, but ultimately, you know, a sale online is, 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 is kind of a short-sighted sale in my opinion. Um, you know, the relationship that we build with that person is going to be the, is going to be the key to us having that person for many years as opposed to one or two. You know, you look at the data. Um, especially if I'm talking ticket sales specifically, you know, and let's, you know, I'll give an example of like season ticket renewals, right? When you look at the data, you know, the hardest year to renew somebody is from year one to year two. And there's pretty widespread data in the industry that says once you've got somebody who's, who's renewed their tickets for three seasons, their likelihood of renewing goes up significantly. Mm. So, you know, you, you talk about like, you know, what's the future look like when it comes to, you know, how we sell or how we communicate. Yeah, I think we're always going to adapt, but, um, you know, I think there's always going to be uh, a, a, a strong reason to have someone there to build relationships, especially with folks who are new, um, to, to kind of get them to that level of buy-in and, and investment in in what the data says, like if we can get you to stay, stick around for three seasons or more, the likelihood of us having you stick around for 20 years goes up significantly. So if I've got JT on the phone with you and walking you through every step of the process, or let's just vice versa, let's just say this person buys online and I have JT make the call and introduce that himself as their personal account executive, get a feel for, you know, you know, what brings them to the games, what traditions they like to enjoy on game day, um, you know, build a relationship, understand, you know, you know, if they're bringing their families to the games, you know, friends, whatever it is, what's, what's connecting them to Texas A&M, what's their passion behind, you know, being a season ticket holder, 
seeing them on game days, you know, having somebody that they know they can reach out to if they have any problems, um, going through renewals and giving them a call and asking them if they have any questions or concerns and helping them understand the process. I think all those things go a really long way uh, in retention. And then the other thing I think is, you know, an online sale can only can only paint the big paint the picture so well. Uh, I think we see that here specifically at A and M. You know, when we look at revenue generated and seats sold, we'll, we'll just talk about Kyle Field for example. Over the last five seasons that we've had the sales team here, the data shows pretty significantly that we do a lot of the premium sales over the phone and a lot of the non-premium sales online. And I think that just goes to show the, the relationship that you need to build with a person when somebody's thinking about investing that type of money into, you know, something they don't need to, right? It's mm-hmm. a luxury purchase for them. It's, you know, we're talking about their disposable dollars that they're, they're deciding on what they want to spend it on. In, in today's world, there's a lot of options. So if somebody's going to invest $10,000 in football seats for seven Saturdays, they're probably going to want to have some connection. You know, they're probably going to want to have some information. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, so when I look at the future, I think that there will be s- some changes. I think, you know, the way people prefer to communicate obviously is changing every day. Um, but I don't think at this time I foresee anything that anything that would come into play that w- that would replace the need for a solid ticket sales team in place creating those relationships. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. Okay, so you know we're looking kind of to the future. Let's look to the past now. Do you remember your first ever sale as a salesman? Absolutely, without a doubt, we'll never forget it. And this thing, this is, this is, it's wild. It was actually my first call. Ever? The first call I ever made. (laughs) I made a sale. Kind of. And I'll explain. (laughs) So, I mentioned, you know, earlier I went to North Carolina. We were working out of uh, the minor league baseball team's bit offices down there. It's called the Winston-Salem Dash. So, we were selling the ACC championship game, which was happening there, uh, there in Charlotte. But we were also tasked with selling what was, at that time, the Florida Citrus Bowl and the Champ Sports Bowl. There's two bowls in Florida. <laughs> so, you know, basically the plan was, like, there was like 20 of us in there. They were like, all right. Ten of you are going to focus on the ACC championship game. Ten of you are going to focus on these Florida Bowl games. And then we may switch it up because clearly the Florida Bowl game sale was going to be a lot harder. (laughs) Well, I got stuck on the Florida Bowl game team. (laughs) Anyways, let me tell you, my first leads were out of a phone book. Like a yellow phone book? we're yellow booking in here. (laughs) It's, It's rough. So, um... The first call I make was was to this guy, and he 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 lives in Florida, and um, like we had been spending, we spent two weeks getting prepared. You know, they were training us, and they, you know, and so you know, and I'm get, I'm all hyped up. I got all my scripts in front of me, and I'm ready to go. And 
my boss at the times looking over my shoulder and the, the way we had this set up was when we were going through training they were like they had basically pointed out like who who they felt like had done the best with the training mm. so it was me and one of my, my guy one of my friends um <clears throat> you know so he made the first call out of the office and everybody listened and then i and then I made the second call, but he so he was on the he was on the ACC championship team. I was on the floor, so they basically picked who did the best on each team, and they're like, "All right, the ACC championship team, like this guy did the best, so he's gonna make the first call." And then I want everybody to listen, right? So I'm the first, and so everybody's listening, right? I dial the number, got the ringtone in my ear. Guy picks up, I hang up the phone. <laughs> I just, I panicked. I, I I had it to my ear and I just put it down. <laughs> and then I, I didn't, I didn't even know what, I, I don't even know. I blacked out, I, you know, so I, and I turned you around. You were really nervous. <laughs> yeah, I was nervous. And I, I turned around and my boss at the time was looking at me. He's like, what'd you do that for? I was like, I don't know. I panicked. <laughs> and so everybody's laughing at me. I got everybody. And it didn't. It made it worse because everybody was listening, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone was listening to the call. So he's like, "Call him back." And uh, so I called him back, and you know, we had a great conversation. He worked for a company called Siemens. I don't know if you know what that company mm-hmm. is. Yep. And uh, so I got obviously I got super lucky, but you know, he started talking about like. You know, his company, like, buys, you know, tickets for, you know, you know, local sporting events, you know, for, he doesn't own the company by any means. He was just an employee, but he was like, hey, my employee, you know, you know we love going to sporting events, you know, Siemens always has tickets for us. And, uh, you know, you know, he's like, you know, so we probably had a conversation for about 20 minutes and I told him, I actually said this, I said, look, I'm sitting here in front of. 20 people, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're obviously, we're, we're working with the ball. We're trying to get fans in the stands. We didn't know who was playing in the game at the time. That also made it a challenge, right? A little tough. So it actually ended up being Notre Dame, by the way, and that really helped at the end. But I, t- I was actually honest with them. I said, look, you know, this is our first call. This is my first call. And uh, so it was like, I really appreciate you kind of let me go through the process. And he's like, you know what? Me and my family, we would love to go to the game. And, uh, you know, he gave me the credit card. And, <laughs> and one call closed, my first call ever, and made about 600 calls after that and didn't get a sniff of a sale. <laughs> um, but it was difficult. You know, we were, uh, you know, selling bowl games in Florida out of an office in North Carolina. You know, we were we were getting people in Florida were answering 336 area codes going who is you know it, it was rough mm-hmm. but you know obviously you know it taught me a lot you know and and it, it has only gotten easier <laughs> from that perspective so I do remember my first sale it was on my first call um, and it was uh, you know it was a legendary one yeah yeah I will say you know like you literally hung up on the guy yeah, sure did. And called him back, and he bought tickets from you on that same call. Wild. It was wild. <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. Um, did you ever use a phone book again for your leads? Nope. Okay. No, never did. Never did that again. You know, we eventually got some, like, relatively qualified leads. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but when we when we started that project, we were working with the bowl to try to get some, you know, historical bowl purchasers. And, you know, but at the at the beginning, we just didn't we didn't have we didn't have it. So they're like, well, we got it. We got to get started. You know, you know we got to get some calls in. So it got a little easier, you know, towards the end when we started getting deeper into the conversations of people who are or are used to going to those bowl games. You know, they tried to give us people who had local area codes because obviously the bowl had a lot of leads of of different fan bases who were playing in the bowl mm-hmm. you know in the past but we didn't know who was playing so they were like they would they would they would they would like basically you know all right here's all the florida area codes and then we would just do it by you know vicinity to the stadium and you know so those we actually started talking to people who went to the who who were used to going to the game at least and lived close and they were they were going just to watch the event and not because of who was playing so gotcha we we got we got going a little bit, but no, I have not had to, uh, I've not had to use the phone book. But you know, one day I might put you guys through the phone book uh, exercise just to give you guys a little bit of perspective. I have to order one that's twenty dollars yeah. <laughs> offline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, another question I got for you is, you know, your experience has all been throughout college, yeah, different colleges and doing that. Mm-hmm. Was is there a thing you? more enjoy about college athletics rather than professional or oh without a doubt okay yeah i think i think that's a that's a very pointed uh reason for for my career path is college athletics i think you know college athletics is just so much bigger than you know wins and losses on the field and that's what professional sports is all about Mm -hmm. you know professional sports is solely about is if your team is winning or losing and and you can you know there's like for me personally, I'm a huge Cowboys fan. I go to the, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed. Like I, I'll go to the Cowboys games whether they're good or bad. But I think huge is an understatement <laughs> of how much you're a Cowboys fan. Passionate. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But when we talk to when we talk to A and M fans, you know, when, when we're selling A and M tickets, you know, everybody we talk to, for the most part, went to school here. Mm-hmm. So they have a connection with the university, you know, so it's 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 more than just do you want to come watch us win or lose? Do you want to come back and go to that that slimy taco place that you went to at 2 a.m., you know, your your junior and senior year? You know, do you want to come back and go to the bar that you frequented? Do you you know, do you want to, you know, you want to bring your kids back and have them start drinking the maroon Kool-Aid as we say <laughs> around here, right? It's it's so much more than just the product on the field that that that's what I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, professional sports, it is what it is. I could probably, you know, any you know, anybody who has the ticket sales skills can go do that just that job just fine. It just it doesn't feel I don't, you know, you don't have the same connection as I think you do in college athletics when you talk about, you know, when you're when you're when you're making those calls and you're talking to the donors and the ticket buyers, you know, they have so much passion for, you know, the place that they went to school at. You know, it's 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 just a it's that's such a connection that I, I really enjoy. And then you and then and then you have the student athlete piece, right? And we talked about that at the beginning. You know, that's the other piece is you know, and I think it just goes back to, I remember when I was at uh, Northern Iowa, you know, it was a smaller school, so you got a little bit more, 
um, interaction with coaches and players there than you do at this level. But mm-hmm. I can remember actually David Johnson, as most as probably a lot of people know the name. You know, good good NFL running back for a long time. Uh, he was at Northern Iowa when I was there, and he's such a nice kid. And you know, I had interactions interactions with him you know, multiple times, and he had so much appreciation for what we did. And I didn't even have any idea. I had no idea he even knew. And I don't think he really did, but, like, he knew what my role was. And, like, mm-hmm. as in our conversation, he, like, you know, I was like, hey, I'm just here to make sure you got a lot of people cheering for you on game day. And, he, and you know, he, he was very inquisitive about what went into that and, um, and had a, a deep appreciation for he's like that makes a he's like I can you know I can point to multiple times throughout the game when I run out of the tunnel like I look up at the crowd and it makes an impact on you know it, he's like it makes it all feel worth it you know all the work we put in on on game week to um to prepare for that game and and to perform well for the fans that are in the stands you know so you know, and I've had some of those conversations with other student athletes along my career, and you know that's always stuck with me. So I I know it's having an impact on those kids when they run out on the field and 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 they see a a packed venue cheering them on. So that's awesome. When you add those two things together with the student athlete impact and the fact that you know college athletics with the fan with the fan base is more than just wins and losses and their passion behind truly wanting the best for their university and mm-hmm. the best for you know you know, for the students that are on campus here, for the student athletes that are going through their four years here, um, that that's just makes it so much better. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, being from Greenville, Ohio, you know, would you ever thought you would be living here in Texas? Um, a little, up? a little bit. Yeah. 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 You know, growing up, I, you know, I, uh, my, my dad was not a sports fan. Mm. So he didn't he wasn't pushing any um any Bengals, Browns, Reds, you know. There there was nothing being pushed on me. Okay. So, you know, obviously, you know, so I just got to choose, you know, and I obviously I'll I'll spare all the details, but I became a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and uh so and, and obviously I spent some time in Texas, you know, as I was getting older and and um you know, with whenever I would come here, you know, I I just I loved everything about Texas, and I cannot stand the cold weather. <laughs> um, so you know, I remember going through college and kind of my first couple jobs. I you know I've, I always said like if I could combine and you know kind of combine doing what I do doing it at the highest level possible and living in Texas. Like if I could check all those boxes, I would, I would love that. And obviously Texas A&M and, and what we do, you know, is as, as, as a high level as any in college athletics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, selling tickets, generating revenue for a school that does as much as we do here and, and personally living in Texas, being able to drive to the Cowboys games um, I think all of those, you know, checked all the boxes that for me that, you know, so did I think I would get here? I was, I was unsure. Right. I know for me personally in my career, I was, I was willing to chase whatever I needed to chase to kind of achieve the career goals that I had. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, but I just got lucky enough, you know, I, I had socialized my dream to live in Texas to enough people (laughs) (laughs) when, um, you know, when Texas A&M was deciding, you know, what they were going to do four years ago, you know, they were like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do ticket sales. And they were trying to decide, are they going to do it in-house? Are they going to do third party? And there was a guy consulting with them. His name was Russ Dean at the time about, you know, he was going to help them make that decision. He was going to help them, you know, find the right guy. And uh, Russ and I had worked together previously um, at I, you know, through IMG Learfield Ticket Solutions. He was a kind of a regional director, um, and I was obviously a GM at Northern Iowa w, WVU and worked for that company for eight years. And so, as soon as he heard that they were going to go in house, um, he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I know this is." you know, this is where you want to be. And I think that, you know, all that you've accomplished in your career up to this point, you know, you're a perfect fit, you know, and you're ready for it. So got lucky with that connection, obviously, where, you know, where Russ was able to, uh, you know, give me a, give me a good, a good in on the interview process. And obviously it worked out. Awesome. Awesome. So would you say, you know, from that, um, how much would you say you accounted to, you know, having the connections there at like Ohio University and the just the connections you've had throughout your career? Like, how's that made, um, not easier, but a little bit more of a ease into the roles you've had for that? Yeah, uh, it's everything. I think a lot of people on this podcast have heard this phrase, but, you know, um, you know, it's about who you know, not what you know. And... I only say it because it's true. It's true, and not that not that nobody's heard it, but in my life, I've only I've only applied for one job in my life, and and you have to apply for every job at the end of it. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the the first job that I got in North Carolina, obviously put my resume in and went through the interview process. But from from that job, my boss there pulled me into his office and said, hey, the Florida State guys just called me. They're looking for an account executive. So I want to give them your name. Had a phone conversation with the Florida State guys, had the job the next week. And then when I was at Florida State, the boss that I had in North Carolina had joined IMG Learfield Ticket Solutions and was starting the University of Pittsburgh property as the GM. Mm. He called me (laughs) and said, come join this company. It's going to be good for your career, and I want you to come be my senior account executive. So I was like... Okay. So then, so I go to Pitt, set a season ticket sales record, company record, still a record, by the way. Um, Slight flex. Slight flex. (laughs) Um, Had a lot of success, right? So, you know, a year and a half into my time at the University of Pittsburgh, the the national director of sales, his name was Brad Sexton at the time, called me up one day and said, hey, we've got Northern Iowa uh, coming on board and, and we want you to go be the GM. So I was like, what is in Iowa? <laughs> Cornfields. Cornfields. Cold. <laughs> but, you know, like I said earlier, I wasn't going to let anything stop me from, you know, kind of, you know, accomplishing what I wanted to in my career. So obviously it was a good opportunity for me to learn, kind of build my management style, learn what it, you know, learn what it takes to, to you know, 
manage someone, you know, make some mistakes at a lower level. I should I shouldn't say lower level. Sorry, Troy Dannon, if you ever hear this, he's the AD at Tulane now. Congrats to you, by the way, having a great season. Um, but I went to Northern Iowa. Was I was kind of able to build my, you know, what does it look like for Justin to be a manager? You know, what what type of manager do you want to be? How do you want to? How do you oversee a budget? How do you make some you know, pricing decisions and things like that. And so after a couple of years there, you know, Brad calls me again and says, hey, WVU's coming open, you know, a really good friend of mine, Rob Christianak. I'm giving a lot of shout outs on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> Rob's the associate AD at Penn State. Uh, if he ever listens to this, he here's your shout out, Rob. Um, he was leaving. He had been there for about a year and a half. Rob and I had created a really, really good relationship. Um, just because we both worked for Ryan Jewelry, Phil Ticket Solutions, had met and had some, had some conversations. So um, once Brad called me and told me WVU's coming up, he thought I'd be a good fit. I called Rob. Rob kind of agreed. Rob, basically, Matt Wells, who's the associate AD at WVU, oversees the partnership. Him and Brad met at a conference, and Matt Wells walked right up to Brad and said, I want Justin Morgan as my next GM. Wow. So obviously that worked out, right? And then obviously we'd already told the story about A&M and, and my connection with Rustine, you know, getting a call saying, hey, A&M's going to do this and yeah, I think you'd be a great fit. So the fact that, you know, I'm 11, 12 years into the, into the industry and have only blindly applied for the job, one job in my entire life and all the other ones have came from connections in the industry speaks volumes to how true that phrase is. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, you know, hones in that of, you know, we don't just do it by ourselves. You know, right. we have to have others to, you know, be there for us, but also to, like, if you're a hard worker, people are going to notice. And, you know, for example, like, a person literally walked up and said, I want Justin Morton yeah. to be the GM. Like, that's a that's pretty, pretty stout to say. Um, and, you know, being able to do that is a it's pretty cool unique opportunity so um, yeah but yeah so um you know with that being said you've done a lot of shout outs here is there anyone that you would say has impacted you the most throughout your life um uh, there's so many uh that's that's tough. I mean, I, I mean, I, you got to start with family. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first thing that comes to mind. You know, I had such supportive parents, my mom and dad, and um, you know, they, you know, they they live in a small town. You know, my dad owned his own, you know, mechanic business, and my mom worked for a company called Hobart. You know, they they had all they ever wanted was you know for me to go to college and get a degree and. You know, I was the first four-year degree student in our family. We had we had one before me that did a, a, a two-year degree, but mm-hmm. so I somewhat consider myself a first generation, right? Um, Let's go with your first gens. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, you know, so you know, I kind of was blazing a path for all of my little cousins, and you know, that kind of became the standard in our family, right? Is look go do what Justin did, go get an education and go do, you know, go get a career that you really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you know, 
supportive parents, supportive family have always been obviously a big influence in my life, but professionally, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just all the, all the relationships that I've had. I could think of Shane Donahue, who was my first boss, obviously, you know, he, he gave me a chance at the beginning and also wanted me to come help him start Pitt, which obviously led to a lot of opportunity. Brad Sexton, who was the national sales director at IMG Learfield Ticket Solutions in my time there and all the support he gave me um, to kind of advance my career. You know, those are the names that stick out to me, you know. Um, you know, I'm gonna leave a lot of names out, so I, I apologize, but um, yeah, that's that's what sticks out to me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's so many professional connections that you make. You like, it's hard to it's hard to say. You know, any one individual. So you know, my my true answer really is just the supportive the support that I've that I've gotten from friends and family throughout the throughout the process. I mean, if you want to really go back to it, my first job in North Carolina, I lived in a hotel, and they were charging me eight hundred dollars a week. Wow. Or maybe it was $800 every two weeks, something like that. Okay. But I was making $800 a month. <laughs> so you're eating some ramen noodles is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can imagine the the financial support that had to come from mom and dad to make that happen, right? Yeah. Could have yeah. never took that chance in my career without them supporting me through those, you know, first couple of years. Um so if I never, if I didn't have that, if they didn't afford me that opportunity, I would have never met all the people I did and, and obviously led to what it is today. So that has to be, you know, that has to be my answer for sure. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that with us on here. Um, I think that's pretty much all the topics I wanted to touch on here today. So I just wanted to leave the floor open to you um, see if you had any um, last remarks or anything like that. Well... I do want to shout out my fiance, Elvia. I was texting her that I was going to be on a podcast, told her I was going to be getting home a little later today, and she said, you better shout me out. (laughs) So here it is, honey. I love you. Um, But, you know, when it comes to, you know, what I think this podcast is all about, you know, simple but extraordinary, right? That's, I think, of the name and, you know, I think the why you know, of, of your podcast, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you know, everyday people and the extraordinary things that they're doing in their lives, if that's right, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I, I think the, you know, the advice that I, that I would give, um, you know, whether you're a young person or a veteran person, you know, just speaking for, for me personally, thinking about all of the people that have helped me achieve, you know, the everything that I've achieved in my career and got to this point, you know, I make it a pretty pointed, you know, effort to pass that on to, you know, the anybody that I hire that's on my staff, anybody that I meet in conversations, anything that I can do to help them achieve their career goals is is a passion of mine. So I think, you know, from an advice standpoint, you know, if you're if you're in that position looking for what, you know, what your career could be, you know, or trying to get it started, you know, look for people who can help you and who wanna, you know, if you're looking at your first job, you know, look at the boss, don't look at the job. You know, look at somebody who's gonna invest in your, you know, in you and 
and, and invest in what the future is. Don't they should be asking you questions about what you want to do with your career and, and asking you how they can help you move on from the role that they're hiring you for. Um, and, you know, if you're someone in a position who can help somebody, you know, I think it's important that in in the sports industry that we, we do everything we can to make sure, you know, we're, we're helping people get, you know, to the places they want to be. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, yeah. Just touch on the point there. You know, every day we pass people, you know, that are doing every extraordinary things that we may not even know that they're doing. So, um, but yeah, just thank you for your time today, Justin. I know we're doing this after work and everything will keep you here longer, <laughs> like you said, but I really appreciate it. And I hope the stories that you shared here today uh, impact those that are listening, uh, whether it's, you know, in the morning, evening, or on the car ride as well so um, but you know if y'all ever need anything just let us know and i hope y'all have a great rest of y'all's day